0: He is risen, He is risen, He is risen. 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 risen. I don't know how many more times I gotta say it for you guys to get it this morning, (laughs) but He is risen. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is alive. Yes. And we're Yeah, go ahead get excited this morning. We're not just studying history here this morning, we're, we're talking about something that actually happened that has an impact on our life right here today because He is risen. It's not just something that we study, but it's something that's changed our life forever and I can tell you this morning that I can testify that He is risen because I've seen Him do miracle after miracle in my life. And he wants to do the same thing for you guys this morning. You can go ahead and and have a seat if you want to. Can anybody else testify this morning that Jesus is risen? Because for 2,000 years, people have been saying the same thing, that Jesus is dead that he really wasn't the son of God, that he didn't raise from the dead. And I don't know how many times that we have to say Jesus is risen this morning for us to cancel out all the noise of the world and, and everything that, um, that the world's been trying to place on us. I know in Psalms 34, 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I'm getting just a little bit of feedback but I can tell you this morning that Jesus is alive and deserves our praise. Yes. And I couldn't help but think about you know, uh, the, the lives of the disciples before Jesus came and, and how drastically different it was whenever Jesus came during their time and the persecution of the Romans and everything that was going on in the world and, and how big of an impact that he must have had in just a, sh- uh, a few short years. And, and all the things that he did and what they got to experience. And I look at our world today and I think, man, if Jesus could just come back for a couple hours and sort out this mess. And, and, and shine a light on what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to handle all this stuff. And, and who's right and who's wrong. And, and uh, just draw a line in the sand for once so that we could know uh, what we're supposed to do and all this stuff. And you look at the world, and it's a complete mess. I mean, we have people fighting over which bathroom to use and which pronouns they want to be called by and fighting about what innocent children should be exposed to and whether or not they can have life-altering surgeries before their 10th birthday and and not to mention, you know, the, the threat of war every other week and... And it, it just seems like we have people who are confused and scared trying to heal other people with their brokenness. And then I think about all this and, and I look at the church and, and in a lot of aspects, we, we haven't done much better. You know, we have denomination, fighting denomination. Um, you know, do you believe in the Holy Spirit, healing, tongues, prophecy, miracles, etc.? You know, do you, is baptism required to go to heaven Um. What's the church supposed to look like? Constantly fighting and, and disunity and a lot of things. And, and I look at all this and I think, man, if Jesus could just come back for just a couple hours, maybe things would be a little bit different. Maybe um, if Jesus could maybe write a letter to every church like he did in Revelation and just show us where we're wrong and, and, and show who needs correction and, and all these things just to... To sort it all out, and, and I was kind of chewing on all of this, and with it being Holy Week, um, I was doing some reading and, and thinking about, um, you know, the days leading up to Jesus uh, being placed on the cross, and, and I came across um, John 14, and if you want to open up your Bibles, we'll, we'll read it this morning. And I'm going to read out of the NLT this morning. Jesus says this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, "Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied." And in verse nine, Jesus replied, "Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show you or to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own. But my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name. And I will do it. Father God, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we thank you for being the faithful and awesome God that you are. Lord, we thank you that you sent your son to pay the price on the cross that we deserved. So that we could have an everlasting relationship with you. Lord, that uh, we, could, we could be with you and we could walk with you and we could experience the freedom and we could taste the grace that we never deserved, Lord, and that you gave it to us anyway, Lord, and we give you the honor and the glory for that. And Lord, we ask, uh, Lord, that you would give us revelation as to what we're to do in this life and what we're supposed to do uh, with with Jesus raising from the dead, and Lord, reveal to us how impactful that is on our life and how big of a difference that it makes and that it's not just some uh, story that we celebrate, Lord, but it was a real A living thing that has a life-altering effect. And Lord, we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't think that Philip's passage in the scripture is really that different uh, than the question that I ask or are talking about, man, I wish Jesus could come back for just a couple hours um you know if we could if we could just see the father somehow things might be a little bit different you know somehow if jesus was here maybe um more people would believe you know maybe we would see some of the things that we've been wanting to see and maybe the world you know wouldn't be metaphorically and literally burning before our eyes and yet when i came across this passage of scripture Jesus said in verse 12, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done, even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. So Jesus said, It's better that I'm not here. It's better that I go do what I'm about to do um, than it is for me to stay here amongst you. And so it's it's easy to think, man. I wish Jesus was just here. I'm sure the disciples said the same thing. There was a lot of times that that they were out trying to do the work that that God had called them to do and just think, man, it would be a whole lot easier if Jesus just was still here. But yet Jesus said that it was better that he isn't. And it was better that he went uh, to the cross. So maybe it's less about Jesus needing to come back and more about us being the men and women of God that God has called us to be. And to be, the, to be the church that Jesus paid the price for on the cross. Because the truth is, if Jesus came back for a short conference with the world, they would probably put him on the cross a second time. So maybe we shouldn't be worried and concerned about what's going on in the world and the, the world being set on fire And we should focus on why we aren't seeing this mighty move of God that we've been so desperately wanting to see happen. And if you continue reading, I'm going to read just a little bit more in um, chapter 14. In verse 15 it says, Jesus continued on from what I had read a second ago and said, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father And you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself to only us and not the world at large? And Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and I will come and make our home in each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when my Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with this gift. A gift, I will point out, that is very, very much lacking in our world today. I will leave you this gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give uh, is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, and I will come back to you again. And if you really love me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk now because the rule of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Some of his very... Final words to his disciples before he was taken and arrested was was that right there. He he continues on for for just a little bit talking about how he is the vine and um, that we are the branches, and then actually reiterates about the Holy Spirit again, and then the rest of the story unfolds. And Jesus, I think, places a pretty high value on us having access to the Holy Spirit. Um. If you look at any uh, text or passage of scripture, any time that something is repeated over and over again, that's what you need to pay attention to the most. And whenever Jesus goes through and says this, then he reiterates it a second time, and then he goes in, uh, talks about something else, and then circles back to it a third time. You know that's whenever this is the point of the message that you need to grasp, and it was all about the Holy Spirit. And personally, I think that maybe what we're missing is we aren't listening to the Holy Spirit like we should, which is giving the church fear. Fear of what people would think. Fear of how the world will respond if we say something that they don't like. Or fear of being the minority. And if the disciples' understanding was limited because they didn't have the Holy Spirit while Jesus was literally walking with them. How much more is our understanding limited because we aren't listening to the Holy Spirit and Jesus isn't walking with us physically? I mean, he was literally there and they still couldn't understand because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now it's been given to you as a free gift after Jesus rose from the dead. And now all we have to do is, is listen to him. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 in the Amplified uh, says this, and I love this translation. It says, do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So maybe it's time that we let our faith in Jesus loose for the world to see and experience rather than hiding behind. I don't think that they want to hear it. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Or it's just not the right time. I'll just... I'll just pray for them instead. So maybe it's time that we stepped up to the plate. And maybe today's the day that the church of Jesus Christ would stand on its own two feet that he paid for on the cross. I mean, Jesus himself, arguably, not only died for the forgiveness of sins, but died so that you could have access to the Holy Spirit. So him raising from the grave was not just about the ultimate sacrifice that you needed, but it was also about the fact that you needed understanding and you needed a counselor and you needed peace and you needed hope and someone to talk to on a daily basis because Jesus physically here on the earth couldn't be everywhere at once, but the Holy Spirit is everywhere at once. Anytime that you call on him, he's there. I mean, we're talking about in Jesus' final moments before being arrested to pay the price on the cross and to bear the nails that deserve to be driven into our hands and our feet. He said that it was better that I go and do this for you. And not only that, I'm going to give you a free gift afterwards. (laughs) You talk about abundant love, abundant grace, I mean, he literally left us the spirit of God himself so that we could walk this life in freedom and in peace. Right. Good. We can't just sit around anymore and wonder who's gonna be the one to stand up in this generation and fight for the lives of people. Because I'm telling you this morning at, at 7.30 a.m. on Easter Sunday that God chose you No matter how much you think that you aren't qualified, God chose you. It wasn't just some unfortunate sequence of events that God never saw coming that placed you in this generation at this time. He saw it coming. So it's not like that you were placed here on on accident this morning. He picked you to be here. So when we look around and we think, man, who, who's, who's going to be the one to stand up and to, and to straighten all this out? I mean, we're so far in left field, we may be playing in a different ballpark. Yeah. Who's going to be the one? And I'm telling you this morning that God chose you. True. If we were playing a game of pickup basketball this morning... God just didn't pick you to be on his team like as the last person in the line. You know, everyone's standing there and they're, and they're picking everybody out and you're the last one standing there and he's like, oh, well, I guess I'll take him. God picked you first. So quit sitting on the bench. What if you were the team captain and you were up there picking, um, you know, picking your team and you picked the best player, knowing that if you got them first, that you could win. And you picked him, and you got your team together, and then he just went and sat on the bench. You probably wouldn't have a very good team. I say that, I know I wouldn't, because I'm not very good at basketball. What I'm telling you is is that God chose you. Last Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday, where Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And uh, shortly after that, he went into the temple, and uh he went in and, and drove out all the money changers and people selling doves and all stuff, and he's flipping over over tables, and you can tell that he had a a righteous anger burning in his heart whenever he walks into the temple and sees all this stuff going on and and he flipped all these tables over, and I can promise you that Jesus didn't just flip over all of those tables. To make people mad. He did it so that people could experience God. Right. And I can't help but think that maybe today, as the modern church of Jesus Christ, that we've put up some tables in our hearts and in our life that Jesus needs to flip over this morning. Good. And it's not because they're necessarily bad things. I mean, the coin changers and um, them selling doves was, you know, a, a part of sacrifice. They, you know, were making it easier for people to be able to buy a dove and, and to give a sacrifice and do all these things. But obviously it wasn't what Jesus had intended. And he flips over all these tables and, and, and runs everybody out. And, and the sick and the lame come into the temple and everybody gets healed. It wasn't that it was necessarily on the surface a bad thing, but it was keeping the people in that area from experiencing God. Right. And whenever we have things in our heart and in our life and in our church that, that maybe look good on the surface, maybe Jesus needs to flip those over so that people can experience God, so that you can experience God. Yeah. And one of the most powerful quotes I've ever heard in my life um, is Jesus forgive me for the times that I desired a seat at the table that you would have flipped over. Jesus forgive me for the times I desired a seat at a table that you would have flipped over. And I don't think that that all of this leading up to Jesus paying the price on the cross was, was by accident. It was all by design. So whenever you look at his actions and you look at everything that he did and he's, he's preparing a place basically for God to move. It, God designed the temple to be that place the whole time. But sometimes we make a mess of things and you see Jesus and he's, he's clearing everybody out and he's riding in on a donkey and he's doing all these things that nobody saw coming or would even expect. But he did them all so that people could experience God. All the way down to him getting nailed to that cross and then rising from the grave. And I think many of us in the church today as a whole are deflated because of what's going on in the world. But the truth is, is that if you read your Bible, you should expect these things to happen. And I hate to break it to you, but if you read a little farther towards the end, it it gets kind of worse. So we can't be discouraged or or, um, deflated or upset whenever the world doesn't want to hear what you have to say. And the truth is, if Jesus came back a second time and they would crucify him, we can all agree on that this morning then if you share the message of Jesus Christ, they're probably going to crucify you too. I don't know if you uh, have studied much of what happened to the disciples after they got filled with the Holy Spirit and the, and the church starts and they go out as missionaries, but it's not exactly pretty. And actually, um, one of my favorite passages of Scripture... It's just a couple short verses. I'll read it to you. But, but Peter and John had actually gone out after receiving the Holy Spirit. And um, they healed a, a crippled man at the, the gate they call Beautiful. And, and uh, believe it or not, were brought in before a council of people. And were beaten and told to never speak the name of Jesus again. After healing a guy that everybody knew was crippled. And this is Peter and uh, John's response. In Acts four twenty nine. it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats, and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place was shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, then they preached the word uh, of God with boldness. Right. So after being beaten, after being told to be quiet, after being told to never ever do that again, they double down and ask God for a double portion. Lord, do it more. Let the people see you more. Let us you know, be filled with your Holy Spirit and let it pour out on us more. We want, the, we want the people who have been, um, what's the word for cast out? Um, there's a special word for that. I can't think of what it is. Yeah, rejected will work. Anyways, the people that the other guys didn't like, that they threw them off to the side. They knew that those people weren't going to get cared for unless they did it. They weren't going to get set free unless they went and did it that they weren't going to get help, they weren't going to get love, they weren't going to get peace unless they went out in the world and did it. I think many of us are scared to fully turn our lives to God because of what it might look like. What if God sends you overseas? What if he sends you to a neighborhood you don't like? What if he gives you a job you don't want? And what if he beats you... Or or what if someone beats you or kills you for the message that you're bringing to them? Sometimes that's not comfortable. I listened to uh, Kent and Jeremy and the rest of the mission team talk about their experience in Liberia, and sometimes it's not very much fun. (laughs) It's not all, uh, what's that? It's not all smiles and rainbows. Is that the right? Yeah, yeah it's not all really nice churches with perfect air conditioning, you know. Sometimes, <laughs> I saw the picture of Josh laying down in the, <laughs> in the trunk of the car going to wherever you guys went, you know. Sometimes you don't even get a seat in the car that's going where you need to go. And I think some of us are, are scared of, of what it would look like, you know, may have to give up some comforts may have to do some things that you don't want to do that you don't like but i can promise you that jesus didn't like being on the cross the suffering that he endured was not pleasant or fun but he did it for you and actually being hurt or are killed for the message of jesus you know used to feel like a you know, like a really outside anomaly, like a weird thought. Um, like it could never happen in our, in our world or in our country or whatever. But now it almost feels as if, you know, we're being targeted. And uh, what I'm saying this morning is, is real, you know. Sacrificing your life for Jesus can come at a price, But Jesus took on the cross so that we didn't have to. He did, however, ask that we take up our cross and follow him. In Luke 9, 23, it says, Then he said to them all, Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Denying yourself means giving up what you want Forgetting your desires, forgetting your comforts, forgetting what you like. Taking up your cross is carrying the message of love and forgiveness that Jesus paid for us on the cross. Following him is going where he asks you to go. We don't ask God to follow us where we're going. We ask him where he's going and we go with him. I think a lot of times that <clears throat> we put our own mission and our own plans and, and we pray to God and ask him to, to follow us and to bless us on our way. But if you read it, we're supposed to ask him where he's going and go with him. So here's what I think God's asking us to do this morning. To deny yourself and flip over the tables in your life that need flipped. That's good. To find out who Jesus is asking us to carry his message to. And where he's asking us to carry it. To carry your own testimony of how good God has been to you in your life. That's right. I guarantee you if we uh, went through the room this morning, just, just in this few people... How many stories of miracles and signs and wonders and healings and blessings have happened just in this amount of people? We could write a huge book, I'm sure, for just in this room. And I can tell you this morning that there's a lot more people who need to hear about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ it would almost be selfish of us to not share him to other people who need to hear it, no matter how bad they don't want to hear it at the time. And just so you know, if you start thinking like this, it can take you to some crazy places. And And uh, I remember uh, Jeremy talking about being a missionary at, um, on the Super Wednesday, and he was talking about his trip. And that made me think I can... I can remember uh, the first time that someone called me a missionary. Whenever I was out, like somebody I didn't know, and um, I was like, "I'm not a missionary." And they're like, "Well, you traveled here, and you said God sent you here, so isn't that what a missionary is?" It's like, "Well, I guess you're right." You know, sometimes it'll take you places and make you do things that you know that you don't really think are you. Um, It doesn't feel like you, you know? But the truth is, is that if you follow the message of Jesus Christ, you're going to do all of those things because he's gone to be with the Father. You're going to do greater things than Jesus did because you're going to be with the Father or because he went to go be with the Father. I think that we're supposed to be stretched and pulled. That's how our faith grows if you only read it and meditate on it, but you never apply it, it never really does any good. But whenever you put yourself in a position to be stretched and to be pulled, I can promise you that God's going to bless you. And he's going to meet you in that place. What's that uh, scripture? Where, uh, Where I am weak, he is strong. I think sometimes we have to run to all these different places to get to the point where we are weak. We have to find our weakness and then that's almost feels like sometimes where God puts us is like, okay, where do I find his weakness? Okay, we're going to put him right there because that's where God can be glorified. That's where he can do extraordinary things in your life. And sound team, if you um if you want to play a song or something or get something ready. I, I'll just leave you with this, really. Um, I think there's a lot of us, Landon included, who need to have some tables flipped over in our heart. There's some, as I've heard Kent call him before, there's some high places that need to be pulled down. Jesus paid the price on the cross for us so that we could live for him, not to do our own thing. And if you need God to light a fire in your heart again, man, this altar is the place for you. Even if you just need a renewing or a refreshing, man, this is the place. What better time than Easter Sunday? All right. good. If you have some tables that are in your heart and in your life that you need flipped over, I'd be happy to pray with you. Um, Or give them to God, man. He can take care of them. If you need a fire lit in your heart again, come up here. I'll pray with you, or go to the altar. Whatever you want to do. Um, But Jesus rose from the dead for us. I think the least we could do is live for Him. And don't forget, he He is risen. 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 Jesus Christ is alive.